So you're in the NFL and you're around the NFL and your whole life, right? You've dreamed of coaching in the NFL and man, you work your way up. You're an offensive assistant at Louisville and you keep climbing the ladder and Somehow, some way, about 10 years, 12 years after you start, you become the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. How about that? Under your buddy Nick Sirianni. And then the Eagles take off over the last couple of years on a, on a young quarterback named Jalen Hurts. And you become a star and you get a head coaching job. And that head coaching job is in the NFL. Your all-time dream. There's only 32 of these. They are owned by billionaires. They are billion-dollar operations. They are the 50 most-watched shows every year. Every year. And you get to be a head coach in a great city with Peyton Manning's history. And this is the question that the first idiot of Indianapolis print media asks you. Listen to this, idiot question by a complete idiot. So Shane, Shane, um, heard a lot about you, heard you're a badass, a tough guy. Um, up here you're crying like a baby, which I love. Are you, which one, are you a hard ass? Are you an emotional basket case? I happen to like all that, but what are you? Well, how about that question? You see, now Doyle, the guy who asked the question, our friend Greg Doyle, fancies himself, he's a boxer, so he thinks he's a tough guy. Really, he's a coward. And, there, and I'll never expose him for why he's a true coward. He can do all that. But he's a true coward in every sense of the word when you talk about men and how men should act. He's a, I don't care if he boxes the toughest guys in the world. I don't, he's a coward, a complete coward. But he wants to come off as a tough guy. So what happened here is uh, Shane Steichen gave an impassioned thank you to his former players. And he named every guy on the offensive side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was crying. He was thrilled. And this idiot, this complete clown, did what I have told you the Indianapolis media is all about. Are you a blubber? Are you a bait? I mean, what an asinine question. But nobody should be surprised because this is what happens in Indianapolis. I have told you about this. I mean, you can box everybody that you want to box. You can get in street fights. But a coward is still a coward. And that's exactly what Doyle is. And frankly, frankly, he is a guy in the media that I've told you wants to make it about himself. How many times did he say, I like that? Who cares what you like? You're a coward. Dig in. You'll find out. Who cares what you like? This is a press conference, and as a writer, you're getting information. So you think it's a legitimate question to ask a guy, are you a tough guy or are you an emotional basket case? But that's indie media. That's what I've tried to tell you. And everybody's afraid to take on Doyle because Doyle will write a hit piece on you. you know, but it's just it's infuriating how stupid these people in Indianapolis are. And you can see by his face you're like, yeah, okay, man. I mean, who the hell are you? You've never played. You've never coached. You've never done anything but be a coward. So, honest to God, it's not surprising. There's nothing surprising about it. It's who the Indianapolis star is. Dana Bemba Hunzinger and Greg Doyle and Matt Galensick. It's who they are. And I'm sure there'll be another hit piece on me coming up. But I don't care. This is ridiculous. 
What happened here is embarrassing for our city, not embarrassing for the Indy Star, because that's who they are. And this guy's got to be like, you people are a bunch of idiots. Period. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him even a little bit. All right? So then, in this blank show of a press conference, through no fault of Shane Steichen, no fault of his at own, we've got our lame duck general manager and our crazy owner. So here's what our crazy owner I guess people said let out of the bag that he wants to take Bryce Young. Here's Jimmy Ursay. We're not hiding. You know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really, you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, a trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting, and I think that shows um, that we have talent here, those games. So, we're looking forward to um, to Shane really coming in and utilizing that talent. All right. So now, of course, even today, even today when I saw on McShay's board here, now he's got Bryce Young going to the Colts. Look, you got to understand something about the Colts. You got to understand is Jimmy Ursay doesn't care, and that's why I really like Jimmy Ursay. I love the fact that Jimmy Ursay decided he wasn't going to give in and hire Jeff Saturday. And this is his hire, period. So I love that fact. I do. I, I think that fact is beautiful. Okay? That's number one. Number two, he does not care. Jimmy Ursay could care less whether or not, I don't know, you say to him, hey, Jimmy, what are you doing? You just gave it away that we're looking at Bryce Young. Jimmy Ursay's response, I'm sure, would be, well, I mean, everybody's looking at Bryce Young. Leave me the hell alone. I own it. Seriously. That's what it would be. That's what makes Jimmy Ursay great. Did he slip up? No. No. And the giggling guy over there, the most uncomfortable guy in the room, continues to be and will always be Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard does love picks. Chris Ballard thinks that picks are important. Chris Ballard then makes the wrong pick. And the Colts don't make the playoffs. It's just the way the world works. But it was an interesting day yesterday in Indianapolis as they got their new head coach, uh, jo- excuse me, Shane uh, Steichen. Good for him. I hope he does well. I'm a Colts fan. I'm wearing my Colts gear. Are you kidding me? But man, oh man, I've told you, and you got a little look at it. Our indie media is all about themselves. They're cowardly. They're stupid. They're remedial. And you saw it there. I'll tell you this. This is going to be interesting. A defensive coordinator named Jonathan Gannon is now going to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, let's be honest. You got two teams here that just hired coaches that don't have quarterbacks. They do not have quarterbacks. The Colts, who's the quarterback? If I were going to say to you Colts fans, and I know there's a bunch of you watching this right now, if I was going to say to you Colts fans, who is the Colts quarterback? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? Would you have an answer? Would you say Matt Ryan? I don't think you'd say Matt Ryan. Would you say uh, Foles, Ellinger? 
I think Ellinger will be off the roster by the time we get going. If I were going to say to you in Arizona, who's your quarterback? Who, who is your quarterback? Uh, what would you tell me? Would you tell me it's Kyler Murray, even though he's hurt? Who would it be? Who would it be? I don't know. I, I, I don't know who it would be. Um, maybe it's Colt McCoy. But now, see, guy can have the best credentials as a young coordinator. All right? But if he does not have, if he does not have a quarterback, I don't care. It's the reason Eric Bieniemy apparently can't get a job. Like, if I were looking at Eric Bieniemy or I were looking for a coach and I was going to get an offensive coordinator, I'd have to talk to Eric Bieniemy. Jason Whitlock did an interesting thing on Eric Bieniemy. He can't get a job because he can't sell himself. You got to be able to sell yourself. You know, and I don't know. Maybe the domestic violence thing in the past is a deal. I saw some woke-ass lady on Yahoo who always writes about all the injustices in the sporting world. She's never been involved in sports in her life. Had a big article today about Eric Bieniemy and how exhausting it is that Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a job. Well, I got to tell you, if I'm interviewing Eric Bieniemy and I don't think he's the right guy for the job or I don't like the way he goes about his business, I ain't hiring Eric Bieniemy. I don't give a damn if he's white, black, green, or purple. How many diversity hires have we seen gone awry? In fact, I think tomorrow we'll have the diversity hire Olympics. Pete Buttigieg, what a hire. That guy that's supposed to be on the border, Manassas, whatever his name is, what a hire. The luggage stealer, what a hire. Screw diversity hires if I'm the boss. I'm high, I don't care. I'm hiring the best person. And I've said on this show from the get-go, I'm so lucky that I was brought up in a place where everyone was treated equally. Not great, by the way. Not everybody was treated great. You go to Junedale Little League, hey, you, I went to Westside High School. I was about a 12-year-old. I got surrounded. I had to figure out who's the smallest guy, run through them. They're going to beat my backside in the bathroom. It ain't always great, but it was people, 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 people of different colors, different uh, religions, different whatever. We had Serbians over here. We had Mexicans. We had the small farm, African-American. We had the whole deal. So I treat everybody the same, and I'm going to hire you the same way. I mean, my God, if the guy, if, 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 don't people have to start asking, why isn't Eric Bieniemy getting hired? As opposed to, why aren't you hiring Eric Bieniemy? Yo, Eric, why aren't you getting hired? I mean, you're the offensive coordinator on the most dynamic offense. Uh, watching the Super Bowl, you had walk-in touchdowns on great plays. Why isn't anybody hiring you? As opposed to, hey, why aren't you hiring Eric Bieniemy? That's the way I look at it. So guys get jobs. And off we go. Guys in Indianapolis had to deal with an idiot. Now they'll move along. And the idiot that he dealt with will now bend over backwards to make sure that Shane Stenshin understands that Doyle likes him because that's what you do. You do a hit piece, you do something stupid, and then you do a bunch of puff pieces. We saw it and we'll always see it. In Arizona, this guy's future is tied to Kyler Murray. Jonathan Gannon's future is tied to Kyler Murray, and it's tied to Kyler Murray, period. Now, if I were the guy in Indy, I want Jimmy Ursay to be right. I'm saying, hey, Ballard, screw your picks. Your picks haven't been any good. Your picks have been mediocre at best. Only two picks were ever any good, and they're not good anymore. Quentin Nelson 
and freaking Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard. That's it. That's all. The rest have stunk. I don't care about your picks. We need players. Look at Kansas City and the Chiefs. They got guy after guy after guy after guy. Oh, by the way, we got to go get Cadavious Tony. Oh, by the way, uh, we need him. Oh, by the way, in the sixth round, we're going to get Isaiah Pachenko. Oh, by the way, Sky Moore is available in the second round. Who do you, what do you get? You get playmakers. So Jimmy Ursay, I salute you by putting it out there. Thank God. Seriously, thank God somebody put it out there that, hey, look, I want you to take Bryce freaking Young, and that's it, period. All right? Aaron Rodgers said something yesterday that caught my eye. He said, Ian Rappaport and little scrappy Adam Schefter don't know blank about me, and he's right. They don't know about him. None of these writers know about him. None of these writers know about anybody. You see all these writers, and they write these articles, and they, they write good, bad, half. They don't know him. Hell, I had a writer spend two days with me. Uh, he acted like he knew me. He didn't know nothing. John Feinstein, 100 years ago, wrote a book. He spent a season with us. Feinstein acts like he knows everything about everything, Indiana basketball. He was there for a, he was there for a year. I not know nothing. So good for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers apparently had this four-day retreat planned for four months. So you know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? He's going to go on his four-day darkness retreat. That's what I'm saying. It's already out. Here's Doyle's piece. In Shane Steichen, the man hired who can be shy and emotional and a coach who can be a hard ass, I understand the combination well because I see it in the mirror every day. It's always about them, man. It's always about writers. Yeah, it doesn't say coward, Greg. It doesn't say coward. I don't think Steichen's a coward. You see a coward in the mirror every day. Greg Heyer, the coach at New Mexico State, got fired. Greg Heyer, the coach at New Mexico State, should have never been hired. Period. Greg Heyer, Chris Jans, that whole Chipotle crowd I've told you about, uh, should never be hired, should never have infiltrated college basketball. You know, Jans got himself a second chance uh, after fondling folks in uh, Bowling Green and getting fired. So then he goes out to New Mexico, and next thing you know, he sets a culture where he wins and gets out, and now that culture apparently continues, or maybe it got started by higher. I don't know. But these two guys are thick as thieves. Nobody's asking anything about Mississippi. Well, the guy who is at, uh, the guy who is at uh, Mississippi State hired the guy who just got fired. You know what I mean? That's it. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, boom, at the end of the day, an idiot got hired named Chris Jans. He hired another idiot, and now the program is shut down. Take it for whatever it's worth. Nobody's asking anything in Mississippi State. Nobody's talking about Chris Jans, but they should because I've known those guys or I've known of those guys for a long, long time. And I remember a conversation, and I can't remember whether it was with Jans, the head coach, or higher. I can't remember. And I'm like, fellas, I know you're doing some shady stuff, but you ain't doing it with me. As I recruited one of their players, wasn't happening. Uh, the great Jason Hammer joins us. When the world is all askew, we go, ladies and gentlemen, to Hammer Time. 
I've been roasting Doyle. I don't know if you saw the question that he asked that Shane Steichen. Uh, why does our indie media, particularly in sports, you guys cover sports as much as anything else, why do they always got to interject themselves into this? None of them played. None of them coached. None of them know their ass from third base. Why do they have to interject themselves? I, I can't hear him. All right, there we go. We good? You got me? Yep, good. Yep. All right. So to answer your question, they need the clicks. They need the clicks. Without you having your daily show in Indianapolis on the radio, they've got nothing. They're not creative enough to just talk about sports and get clicks because the real reality is that the Indy Star, the paper of record in Indianapolis, is dying a slow and painful death. And the sports columnist, Greg Doyle, he's probably the only one right now that brings in any action whatsoever. But when he's not picking on the big bad radio host, his numbers go way down. So now he's got to find some other angle. He's got to find some other way. But this is par for the course for Indianapolis media, Dan. And for those who are watching this that don't know about Indianapolis media, this is how it is. I treat it like sports betting. When the media in the city is all in on one side, you'd probably be better off going on the other side. Go back to when Archie Miller was named the head coach of Indiana. Everybody in the city did backflips. They were talking about what a great selection Archie was. Hot damn, Archie Miller. It's the second coming of John Wooden and Bob Knight. That job was so big for Archie Miller, he curled up in the fetal position and left. And now it's the same thing with the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. No, he wasn't. Frank Reich, if you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you're tuning in right now, have fun with bad clock management. Have fun with leaving points on the board. Have fun with failed challenges that will cost you timeouts later in the game. But nobody wants to talk about that. But now this guy comes in, and we don't know much about him yet. We don't know where you know he lies politically because that's a big thing for the writers in this city. So you've got the local writer on the paper of record trying to find some angle of interest to get clicks. It's pretty desperate. It's pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing, but it's par for the course for the rag that is the Indy Star. Uh, I say there's a lot going on here. Walk me through your thoughts. We've got train derailments. We've got balloons or we've got uh, spyware being shot out of the air four in eight days. Space over Lake Huron, space over Lake Michigan shut down. What is going on here in our country? Well, that's a great question because I'm old enough to remember when Joe Biden and his team ran on transparency. They told the American people this was going to be the most transparent administration that you've ever seen. We still don't know what was shot out of the sky over the weekend. That's a pretty big deal. Now, listen, I get some of the stuff could be classified and the American public doesn't probably need to know everything. But if you want to stop the conspiracy theory talk, if you want to stop the people talking about aliens and everything else, just tell us what you shot down. Show us a photo. How is it that Charles Oakley can go to a casino in Las Vegas and move one chip on a roulette table and the eye in the sky sees it? They've got his face. They ban him from the casino. Yet the United States military shoots down an unidentified flying object. It lands on ice. 
not in the water, not in a forest. It lands on ice. And we have no pictures. We have no information. Nobody wants to talk about it. This is ridiculous. And the same thing with the train derailment right now. This is the biggest story in America that nobody wants to talk about. And it's bizarre because we have so many climate cultists, right? Where's John Kerry? Where's old Franken-Kerry at right now? Where's Al Gore? Where's Greta Thunberg? All of these people who claim that they want to save the world from a climate crisis, here you go. Put your cape on. Go in the phone booth, put your cape on, because now is your time. You can do something. Come over here, help these people. Figure something out. There are reports now that the Ohio River is tainted with some of these horrific toxins. Now, keep in mind, the Ohio River by Cincinnati is about 230 miles away from where this train derailment was. We're getting the same reports out of toxins in the water in West Virginia. That goes to show how bad this is. But yet, nothing. Crickets. No transparency at all. These are two pretty big stories we're getting nothing from. And I see that loser that you put up on the screen right now, Pete Buttigieg, he has the opportunity to address this the other day. He's speaking to a group. All the cameras are on him. You're the transportation secretary. There was a controlled explosion that backfired in the face of a lot of people, and we got nothing. Zero. The only thing we got out of Pete Buttigieg was that construction crews are racist. Nothing on Ohio at all. Nothing on the train derailment. Nothing on the trillions of dollars that was spent on infrastructure, which clearly did not work because all of these things keep happening. What? Why? Like, like my thing is, we, you know, I, I, every day somebody over the last month has taken over Joe Biden's Twitter account because there's tweets coming all the time. He's he's figured that out. Um, we've seen all, you know, every time somebody does anything, we have these these global summits on climate change where, you know, the multi hundred million dollar man, Al Gore, gives an impassioned plea and we're all going to die in 10 minutes. Um, why isn't these bigger stories from our legacy media why aren't they picking these things up because it's happening in ohio and it's not happening to predominantly democrat voters that's why if this were to happen in san francisco if this were to happen in seattle if this were to happen in new york city it'd be wall-to-wall coverage you'd have reporters embedded but because it happens in a red state it happens in a state where there's a lot of Republican voters. There's a lot of people that voted for Donald Trump. Uh, it happens in a state that just put J.D. Vance in over Tim Ryan. They don't care. And you'll see that. These people are frauds. The same people that fly, like you mentioned, all around to these conferences and their private jets and then finger wag to you about your carbon footprint, they're part of the problem. They won't admit it. But they're part of the problem and they want no interest in the solution if the solution helps what they think could be conservative voters or Republican voters, because this is in what they would call flyover country. Nobody cares. And that's disappointing. And it's a shame. And going back to Joe Biden's Twitter account, all of the things happening in this country, right? We're shooting objects down out of the sky. We've got a horrific inflation report, hell breaking loose at the border. We've got a major ecological disaster happening in Ohio. 
My favorite tweet that came out in the last 48 hours was Joe Biden bragging he's going to make concert tickets more affordable. So it's good to see that the right. priorities are locked in at the Biden administration. That It's unbelievable. Yeah, he's going to make concert tickets. <laughs> you know, I swear to you, there is nobody in America that would buy a ticket to the real story of Joe Biden's presidency and believe it to be true. Like, here's, <laughs> let me go back to something. Why does anybody give a rat? I've never understood this about this Greta Thornburg. What, what, what is this? Why do we care? Why did we care when she was 10? Why do we care now? What, what is this? What, why, who are these people that we're supposed to give a rat's about? The reason that the media carries her water is she made her name kind of bashing people like Donald Trump, right? That's the only reason why. If you are somebody that had anything negative to say about Donald Trump, the left will pick you up and they will hold you out like Simba in The Lion King and talk about how great you are. And now that she's gotten older and it's a Democrat, you know, president in the White House right now, they can't just turn their back on her because they picked her up. So they still have to carry stories about her. She's going to fly around in a private jet. She's going to burn all this gas mileage. She's got a book out. And I don't know if you've seen the book. It looks like an encyclopedia. It's this thick. Now, I don't claim to be the greatest guy when it comes to, you know, climate change information here. But it looks like a lot of trees that were destroyed for Greta Thornburg's book. So all of these people are the worst. They're all hypocrites, every single one of them. But they built them up and they can't get rid of them at this point. It's like Joe Biden. The media, the big tech corporations, they went out of their way to pick this guy up because the orange guy was mean. And that's what it was. The orange guy was mean. And now they're stuck with this loser. 81 million votes, 81 million people allegedly voted for Joe Biden, yet somehow they're the two lowest state of the union addresses in terms of ratings in the last 45 years. Weird. Um, my wife believes, with all that's going on, that zombies and aliens are coming. She's like, I'm telling you, prove me wrong, Hammer. <laughs> so listen, why would an alien want to be here right now? So for argument's sake, let's just say that an alien lands on Earth and it says, take me to your leader. They take him to meet Joe Biden. They're not sticking around. They're getting back on the spaceship, getting the hell out of here, saying there is clearly no intelligent life on this planet. Let's just go back to Melmac. Let's hang out with Alf. Let's do whatever we have to do. But I just spoke to this guy for five minutes. He told me he had hairy legs and I wasn't black. We're not welcome here. Let's get the hell out. It tells you, I mean, on a serious note, it does tell you how bad other countries are when you think about the risks that people are putting uh, to their lives, their children's lives, their families, and the cost to come into our country illegally. You know what I mean? I mean, um, is there, I, I've talked to three people that have visited the border, uh, and every one of them said the same thing. It's not a wall, it's policies that are absolutely crushing. There have been more talk about the wall, but there has been nothing done about the wall or about the border. No. Remember when we were told the wall was too expensive, like it was a video game figure. You can't build a wall. You're asking for billions of dollars from the government. What's wrong with you, you silly human being? And now look at the money we're spending. Look at the money this country is giving to Ukraine. 
Now, we can have an argument about whether or not we need to keep giving to Ukraine all you want, because usually that spins off into you're some sort of Russia supporter, which is a ridiculous argument in itself. But the amount of money this country is printing and sending to Ukraine, money we don't have, mind you, you could have built two or three walls at this point. Imagine what this country could do if we would take just a fraction of what we're doing for Ukraine and using it for our country. But the Biden administration will never allow that to happen because as long as this war is going on, as long as they can keep funding this war, they can blame all of their failures on it. You can blame the gas prices on Vladimir Putin. It's the Putin price hike. That's what it is. You can blame everything else from supply chain issues on the war in Ukraine. Most failures from this president he will go out of his way to blame this war, and that's why he wants to keep funding it. A um, couple of things as we move <laughs> forward here. Is there anything that this president has done? All right, there it is right there. They're, they're coming for us, according to my wife. Is there anything this president has done that has legitimately, in your mind, helped our nation? Boy, that's a good question. In theory, like the infrastructure should have been better. If you're going to tell me you're going to spend my tax dollars on American infrastructure, all right, at least it's not going to overseas. It's not going to some sort of project that Nancy Pelosi wants, a new opera house or something like that. If you're going to tell me you're going to spend my tax dollars on infrastructure, fine. Fix the bridges, fix the roads. This country better look fantastic. I was okay with that, but I don't know, and I can't speak for everybody watching, I haven't seen much improvement, and you're seeing train derailments, you're seeing all this other stuff going on, that falls under infrastructure. Whether it's fair or not, that's where it falls under. So that's the one area, if you do it right, okay, fine, but it's not been done right. I don't know if it's been done at all, and I'm curious if there was some sort of way to get a rundown, a list of where all that money went. I would love to see it. Is, Poop, is Pete Buttigieg the worst diversity hire of the Biden administration? I mean, he's got the most impact. <laughs> Hard to say that the luggage stealer isn't up there as well, but is, is Buttigieg the worst diversity hire? I'm going to put a little question out to you. I'm going to answer that with a question. Who is more horrific at their job? Pete Buttigieg or Kareem Jean-Pierre? Because in betting Ooh. terms, this is a push because they're both awful. Kareem Jean-Pierre is so bad at her job. She was brought in because she was a woman of color. She is in a gay relationship. She can date men and women. Oh, my goodness. She checks all the boxes. She's an idiot. She has no idea what she's talking about. She has no control of the room. And think about this. 95% of the people in that room would go out of their way to carry the water for the Democratic Party. Now they're turning on Corinne Jean-Pierre because she's bad at her job. And this isn't just a Republican-Democrat thing, because I've said all along, Jen Psaki, while I uh, completely disagreed with her policies, uh, she was good at her job. She owned the room. She came prepared. And even though she may have been lying, she believed what she said. It's not a lie if you believe it. The old George Costanza line. Jen Psaki was good at her job. Sarah Sanders was good at her job. 
Corinne Jean-Pierre looks like you're letting the intern run things, and it's horrific. So I think she may be worse than Pete Buttigieg, but Pete's bad. Pete's real bad. Look at, you know, the transportation secretary should be like an umpire. You should not know anything about this person, but the only time you do is when they screw up. And there have been a lot of screw-ups, whether it's the supply chain stuff, you know, the trucks can't travel, the Southwest Airlines situation, flights being delayed, you got trains being derailed. All of this falls under a guy that is in over his head. Pete Buttigieg, to bring it full circle here, is the Archie Miller of the Biden administration. This was a nice guy, a little guy that everybody told you was fantastic, but the people in the know knew this guy is in over his head. This job is too big for him. He's not ready for national prime time. I don't care how good he is on Seth Meyers or how witty the one-liners are or how cute it looks when he goes on dates with Chaston. Anybody that's lived in South Bend knows this guy's a zero. South Bend was a hellhole under Pete Buttigieg, but he served in the military and he's gay, so we have to lift him up on a national pedestal. Yeah, I think that's all crumbling. And not only him... But I think the whole diversity hire, I think people are starting to turn a little bit and say, hey, how about you give us the best people? Uh, and if the best people are white, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. I think that's all starting to crumble. I, I do. And I think Judge is like the poster child for it. I do. I don't care who you're having sex with. I don't care if you're gay, straight. It doesn't matter to me. But when you look, transportation affects all of us, all of us. In every way, what we eat, what we drink. The Wall Street Journal came out. You know what the Wall Street Journal said today? Wall Street Journal said today, if you want to save money, don't eat breakfast. Maybe you shouldn't eat <laughs> breakfast. This is where Hammer. we're at. 81 million votes, Coach. 81 million votes. And this is the biggest I told you so world tour this country has ever seen. I agree. Um, I think this chaos is intentional. I do. I'm not sure why, but I do. I don't know if it's like they're going out of their way to do this. I just think they're this bad at their job. Because one, Joe Biden's not calling the shots. We know this. Joe Biden, they prop him up there like Bernie Lomax and Weekend at Bernie's. He's not the guy anymore. He's the suit. He's the puppet. He's the mouthpiece. He has no idea what's going on, whether it was Klain or whoever it is, Susan Rice, whoever's making the calls. They're extremely radical. They're doing this to appease their donors. And they feel like as long as they can win a couple other swing states, they're going to maintain power. That's what this country has come down to. The United States elections, whether it's for control of the House, Senate, or the presidency has really come down to just a handful of states. And if they feel like they can spend a lot of money and win those states, and the Republicans not helping by putting stiffs up there as candidates, then they'll keep their power. That's all that matters. They don't give a blue rat's ass coach about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about this country. These people would take the Constitution and rip it in half if it meant they could get a little extra kickback from one of their big lobbyist donors. That's who these people are. And when you go vote, this is what you have to think about. Appreciate you, man. Great stuff as always. Great stuff. Thank you. Hoosiers money line tonight. I got Hoosiers money line tonight, coach. On the road against Northwestern. Let's go. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm putting DoorDash money on it, big boy. I am. I feel it. I feel it. 
Thank you, Hammer Time. It's Hammer Time at Jason Allen Hammer, the number one afternoon show in the country. Hammer and Nigel, you can catch it on WIBC.com 93.1. It is part politics, part pop culture, part sport, all fun and all opinion. I think the chaos in our country is intentional, and I'm going to tell you why when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome back. Uh, those of you on the YouTube chat, thank you. Those of you on Twitter, thank you very, very much. Aaron Rodgers is getting ready to go into a four-day darkness. On Friday, we have a guy who specializes in the four-day darkness type things, I guess is what you would say, that Aaron Rodgers is going to go into. So, hey, I don't know what to tell you, baby, but uh, that is that. All right, a couple of things before we get going, and I didn't put this on the rundown. I should have. You know, a lot of this chaos is seemingly coming to distract us. I think people are feeling it. I think people are saying it more than ever. Look, Don't let what is going on here distract you from the fact that our government is evil. And one of the things that the government and those in the government and entertainment are very fearful is the Epstein-Maxwell lists. Is this a distraction from the list of people? It's going to come out who visited Epstein's Island, how many times, and who was there at that time. It's all coming out court-ordered. And there are those that are scared to death. You're going to read a list of pedophiles and you're going to see the most famous people in our world that are going to be shown as sexual deviants. I think we all pretty much can understand that the coincidences of Jeffrey Epstein's quote, suicide, were so unique that there is no such thing as coincidence. There is no such thing as, oh man, this happened at that time and this happened and that happened. It all culminated and Epstein knew the right time to hang himself. Let's be honest. We look dumb, but we aren't dumb. So now that Maxwell lady, she's got all the names. She and others want it out. I don't blame her. How do you have this massive sex ring and only one person has been charged, that being the Maxwell lady. So of course this is a distraction, but don't let it distract you and understand. Hey, look, if it came out that Donald Trump was on that island and he was stooping whatever, would it surprise you? Of course not. Would it surprise you if Clinton or Gates or any of these weirdos? Of course not. There's nobody it would surprise. You know, the only surprising thing would be if Charlie Sheen isn't on that deal. And if Charlie Sheen isn't on that deal, it's probably because he was too weird for even them. Which is a badge of honor for Charlie Sheen, I suppose. But maybe he's on there. I don't know. But all these people that you pay money to see in Hollywood, all these people that grandiosely stand up there and act as if they are more righteous, more, uh, what's the right word, elite than us, are full of crap. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what many, 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 many people feel is the reason you're seeing all this stuff. And I believe it. I absolutely believe it. I'm telling you right now. Yes, I put my daughter's feet in my mouth yesterday. Yes, I did. 
Tell your friends, we need over three or 400 on the YouTube chat. All right, chaos is absolutely a distraction. And don't think anything otherwise. I talked about the two hires. This is interesting. Todd Monken, who is the outstanding offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia, has left the University of Georgia to head to the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator job vacated by Greg Roman. Again, the idiots in Indy said that Greg Roman should be the coach of the Colts. A day later, after this idiot Doyle's column, guess what? Greg Roman got fired. What can I tell you? Morons be morons. But good for this guy. This is going to be interesting. Remember Joe Barry was all the hot guy coming out of LSU uh, with Joe Burrow. We'll see if Munkin can make his bones in the NFL. Don't know whether he can. Don't know whether he can, but he did an unbelievably great job at the University of Georgia and got himself in a terrific position. All right, after calling himself, and I want to make sure I read this correctly, one of the most talented hosts on TV. Who would I, if I say after calling himself, there he is, there's the Gazda, Bamani Jones. He of the, I keep trying to be a race grifter. I keep trying to be race related. I used to argue with Bomani on Twitter, and uh, he made a joke. He didn't realize I was born in Gary, Indiana, and he made a joke of uh, me and the Jacksons. Well, he turned out he was actually right. Used to ride in scooters, buggies. My mom and Mrs. Jackson, Kathy Jackson, would ride in Gleason Park. It was me and one of the girls. Who would the girl have been? Janet? I don't know. But anyway, listen to this on the man Bamani Jones. Bamani Jones this week, his ratings were so low that he lost to a midnight re-airing of Cornhole on ESPN2. Not one, two. Drew just 66,000 viewers with its midnight airing of a niche sport. That's what. That's what Cornhole on ESPN drew. We draw 66,000 viewers a day here. We, before Twitter turned its deal, we would draw over 110 to 20,000 viewers a day. When Twitter goes back, we'll be back to that. That doesn't include the four, five, six thousand on here. Hell, one of our tweets the other day went for a million views. This guy's got a network, HBO. So it's just 66 viewers. It's midnight airing of Cornhole beat Bomani Jones's Super Bowl preview show. Now think about that. HBO. I got HBO. I got every HBO. I got HBO Max. I got HBO whatever. You know, I think I actually have Fox Soul. I may have every channel in the world. I had a deal with Comcast when I was working at the radio station. So I got everything, and I have not turned it back. But Bomani Jones, we salute you. If nobody else is watching, you keep believing in you. It's the Greg Doyle theory. Greg just said today, or in a tweet, how much he thinks of himself when he looks in the mirror. He sees hard, tough, soft when he looks in the mirror. You do you, Greg. You do you, Bomani. And we'll not listen, nor will we read. All right, I want to go back to Jimmy Ursay. God bless Jimmy Ursay. God bless Jimmy Ursay. The Colts have hired a new head coach in Shane Steichen, whatever the hell his name is. Team owner Jimmy Ursay, a little too excited, a little bit about his team's new man. 
He let the NFL Colts draft process out of the bag. At least that's what people think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let's play, if you guys don't mind, let's play a little Jimmy Ursay uh, talking about Bryce Young. We're not hiding. You know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really, you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, a trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking <laughs> quote. He, he likes picks. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting, and I think that shows um, that we have talent here, those games. So, we're looking forward um, to Shane really coming in and, utilizing that talent. Now, let me ask you a question. This hit me when we showed this earlier. So he's talking about taking Bryce Young, and he should talk about taking Bryce Young. Bryce Young is a guy that, hell, uh, people should want. He's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. The smaller version is something that would be problematic for me. The smaller version of anything is never really the better version of anything. But anyway, I digress. How, if we could replay that again, how did Jimmy Ursay get to, and that shows we have talent here? Like, he's talking about draft picks moving up, and then Ballard chimes in with his creepy, <laughs> you know, we're going to move down. I mean, where in this is there a discussion about, well, that shows we have talent here? Maybe the problem is Jimmy Ursay doesn't know what the hell he's talking about as the owner of the Colts. Let's play that again, fellas, and see where I'm right here. We're not hiding. You know, no one can shy. Keep my mic on, will you? What quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really, you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, a trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking <laughs> quote. He, he likes picks. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting, and I think that shows um, that we have talent here, those games. So, we're looking forward um, to Shane really coming in and, utilizing that talent yeah where does it where does it come into we've got talent here yeah I don't know um I I don't I I don't really know um I just read there's a guy named Ben Levine uh Ben Devine I'm sorry Ben Devine says this another rumor according to pro football focus the biggest rumor coming out of the Super Bowl and this affects Colts fans is that Will Levis is passing Bryce Young as QB1 for many teams. We're hearing Will Levis number one overall. Another rumor, C.J. Stroud dropping perhaps below Anthony Richardson on draft boards. I don't think teams are going to him after Young and Levis. Remember when we did, and I'll, I'll do this again maybe tomorrow, But remember when we did a breakdown of the quarterbacks that, like Mitchell Trubisky, that bumped up in the draft based on whatever, 
based on, you know, we're hearing he's moving up in the draft. We're hearing he's going. Remember we did that? And every quarterback, including Matt Ryan, including Marcus Mariota, including Russell Wilson, that got traded for this year, you can include Deshaun Watson in that, and moved up in the draft, failed. was horrible. Horrible. Now, I get it. Here's the deal. Here, here is the deal. Uh, the, the way you move up in a draft is by going in and presenting yourself in a great way. I've told this story many times. I did not coach Antonio Daniels. He played at Bowling Green. He was there a year before me. He came to see me. I was a new coach. You know, he's, I said, Antonio, after we got done talking, I said, man, are you going to move up in the draft? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, look. I go, you dress great. You're so well-spoken. You look people in the eye. You can tell you're a leader. I got to tell you, man, get ready. Just do that. And he, hey, thanks, coach, that kind of thing. And he became the second pick in the draft. Uh, and he was really good. He won championships. He was terrific. But the truth of the matter is uh, guys in football do the same thing. You get coached on how to act, how to go, how to show, how to talk, how to walk, how to stay, uh, looking at somebody in the eye. You get all these things, and then you move up in the draft. And then you throw a bunch of footballs, and you got a great arm, and guess what? You move up in the draft. But I'm telling you, these guys don't succeed because what you see in their play is what they are. You know, if you play in Alabama, people are so critical to say, well, you know, Alabama or Ohio State, those teams, they throw to wide open people. Well, maybe they do. More so than the NFL, I totally get that. But the fact of the matter is, man, have they played in big environments? Whoa, have they played in front of people? Man, have they played under pressure, particularly now, when every move, every movement, every time you go to a bar, every time you say hello to somebody, Every time you throw a pass, whether it's practice or in a pro day or in a game, it is watched and dissected and sliced and diced. So I got to tell you, if a guy didn't show that he is worthy of being the pick for your team to be the number one quarterback on your team, he ain't the guy, period. He ain't the guy. Just remember that. You can't imagine him into being the guy. And so often, that's what we do. That's what bad general managers do. They, yeah, that was, but here's what I saw. Don't do it. And if your team is starting to do it, do yourself a favor and write a letter, a tweet, something. Don't let your team do that. Because failure is around the corner. Abject failure is coming if that's what your team is doing. Will Levis moving up to number one will cost somebody, somebody's their job. Make book on it. Make, there he is. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Right there. Jamarcus Russell. There he is. Oh, look at the talent. Look at the arm strength. Look at this. Look at that. Didn't really do it at LSU. And you think a guy that didn't do it at LSU, you think throwing him guaranteed generational money is going to all of a sudden make him do it? You are out of your collective minds. Collectively, you're insane. 
Will Levis will cost people jobs. He will cost general managers, coaches, offensive coordinators, uh, wide receivers. A great quarterback puts it here and makes a mediocre wide receiver a great wide receiver. Guys that didn't do it at Kentucky, didn't lead at Kentucky, didn't have it going on at Kentucky, aren't all of a sudden going to have it going on with the Las Vegas Raiders. Make book on it. Market, Dano. I'm telling you, <coughs> it drives me nuts. I'm hearing Will Levis is moving up. I'll tell you the other we're hearing. Uh, my man, little Scrappy Shefty, said that the Colts and others had serious conversations with Dan Orvlosky for a prominent role on a coaching staff. Let me explain this to you. There ain't no way in hell. No. No. Look, if I am a coach, head coach, NFL, I got an ego, and I'm watching Orvlosky on TV, and I think he's very insightful. I think he's very good on TV. I don't need all that in here. It seems self-grandizing, grandizing, grandizing, whatever the right word is. It seems, it seems that way. So Colts fans, I think Ravens, whatever, whoever Schefter reported, understand that's little Shefty taken up for a buddy, taken up for a colleague, taken up for a guy that he likes. Last thing, Jeff Saturday started by saying he was hunting, ended in a pond. Jeff Saturday, thank you for your service. You absolutely didn't do jack squat except expose yourself as a guy that likes to say I, I, I. We're going to change it up. We got to talk a little NBA, ladies and gentlemen, with the most handsome man in media, the great Frank Isola, coming up next. We're going to talk about when the hell is Kevin Durant playing? He's been out since January 8th. I see him shooting. I see him shooting jump shots. How hot are the Milwaukee Bucks? Are the Pacers got any shot at doing anything? I don't know. But I know this. When Frank Isola comes on the screen, two things hit my brain. Men want to be hang with him, and women want to get with him. He's that kind of good looking. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, welcome back. Apparently, the internet is down in the great Frank Isola's neighborhood, so we're going we're gonna to try to do a phoner with the great Frank Isola. A couple things of interest today. I, I got to tell you, uh, that Jackson Mahomes, the younger brother, thank God nobody is putting him anywhere. I saw two clips of him dancing, and I got to tell you, if I were his brother, I think I would dive on him and punch him in the head. I think I would. No, I really do. I, 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 I think that's what I would do. Hey, did you know that today apparently is the first day that Calvin Ridley, the suspended, remember Calvin Ridley? He was the wide receiver for the Jaguars and he got suspended for making a $1,500 bet not on his team and he wasn't playing, but they suspended him for an entire year anyway. Remember that today is the first day that he can't apply for reinstatement if I were the NFL commissioner, if I were in charge of this, the number one thing that I would do, frankly, is before he even applied for reinstatement, I'd say, let's go. I mean, what are we doing? Let's go. That would be my go-to. Hey, 
I'll get you in here immediately because what they did to the freaking people or what they did to him was horrendous, awful, no good, garbage, terrible. And the truth of the matter is, if you're Calvin Ridley, you don't have any recourse. You got to go along with it. But hey, that's it. $40.4 million. Listen to this. If Derek Carr had been kept by the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, $40.4 million is what he would have been guaranteed. Now, I just want you to think for just a second, please. Just a second. Sit there and give it some thought. Uh, I know you made money. I know you made a ton of money. I know that there is like no end you know, in sight yet for Derek Carr. All right? I, I get it. We all understand. Okay? Understood. But you're one day away from $40.4 million. You're one day. Like if I go to sleep, if I close my eyes, and I just don't do anything wrong, maybe I can get to midnight and they got to give me $40.4 million. For those of you scoring at home, okay, that's over three mil a month. I want you to think about that. That is three mil a month, not a year, not every six months. That is $3 million a month plus. Now, I understand there's taxes. I do. Now, you want to know why guys, uh, you want to know why, why guys are like crazy? Like you see guys spend money on stupid stuff. If you're making $40 million in a year, What's going to stop you or what, 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 what? All right. Uh, let me buy that. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. I'll get that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll take 10 of those. Yeah. I'll take, you know, it's impossible for anybody to understand. It truly is. It's impossible for anybody to understand that kind of money, but that's what he would have been making had he just been able to hang in there one more stinking day. Just give it to me one more day. One more day. Please, please, please. But you know what? Here's the deal with Derek Carr. Uh, I'm not mad if Derek Carr comes to the Colts. I'm not mad at all if Derek Carr comes to the Colts. I don't think, you know, Derek Carr, they may not like him in Vegas. Maybe it didn't work out in Vegas. But I don't think Derek Carr is worth $40 million. I didn't think uh, Phillip Rivers was worth $25 million for one year. But guess what? That's what the going rate was. That's where it was going down to. So what the hell are you going to do? What, what, what are you going to do? You got you to pay the going rate. Aaron Rodgers. There's reports that Aaron Rodgers, when he comes back, is going to ask for a trade. Aaron Rodgers said, hey, look, I've been here 18 years, whatever it's been. I got to tell you. It's been a great ride. This is my home. It feels like this is it for Aaron Rodgers, and I'll tell you why. Tell me if you agree with this. Aaron Rodgers is exhausting. 
Aaron Rodgers is exhausting to me, and I don't pay that much attention to Aaron Rodgers. I pay attention as much as I have to pay attention to do a radio show or a streaming show or whatever you call this show. All right, I pay attention for that. All right? I do. I I do. I pay attention, but it's exhausting to really pay attention to Aaron Rodgers. It's exhausting to say, well, what's Aaron Rodgers doing today? And can you imagine? Multiply that by a 1,000. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, inside that building with all of the people. But we're going to talk, and this is sadness because we like to see his face because he is America's most handsome media member. The great Frank Isola joins us. Frank, you got, you got uh, internet problems. Yeah, Dan, I did my radio show this morning, and it's on the NBA app. But there was some, I don't know, there was, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm not good at this tech, uh, technology stuff, so if it, it could be screwed up on my end, but I don't think it is. Uh, do you have your people working round the clock? <laughs> By people, what do you mean? Uh, Comcast? Yes, they're outside working around the clock. But I, oh. I guess they are my people since I pay a lot to, uh, to get them to... Uh, to get cable, so technically they are my people. Yeah. I think I'm up to like three hundred forty dollars a month. It's ridiculous the prices and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're your people. Hey, um, <laughs> NBA Durant. What since July eighth he's been out. Now there's a trade. Looks like the Suns have a little bit of life. You covered Durant. He's thirty four years old. What's he got left? And when's he expected to play? You know, I will say this: when he played this season. He played really well. He was playing as well as any guy in the league. And then he got hurt in January when they played against Miami. He had somebody roll into his leg, which was the same thing that happened last year, almost at the same exact time. Last year, without him, they went 6-15, and 15, and their season started to fall apart. This year, they were playing a little bit better without him. But and, you know, Kyrie Irving had the two great months. Then Kyrie wanted, you know, said, all right, I've had two great months. Pay me. The Nets say, no, he says, I want to be traded. And then Kevin Durant said to them, you know what? Trade me to, if you can, trade me to Phoenix. They worked out a deal. The, the issue with Kevin Durant isn't his play. It's whether or not he can stay healthy because he didn't play in a lot of games during his career in Brooklyn. Remember, he showed up, you know, recovering from the torn Achilles. So he kind of came in limping. He went out limping. But when he plays, he's still very good. And Phoenix for me, I'd put them right up there with Denver right now as the two top teams in the Western Conference. Um, how good is Jokic? He's phenomenal. He's he's so yeah. good. It's it's ridiculous. And you know, I voted him last year. Like the last two years, I voted him MVP. And a lot of people think he's having a better year this year. I think the one thing for him now that he's gotten all these MVP awards and he has made it to a conference final, and that was the game. Uh, you know, that was against the Lakers in the bubble. I think the big, you know, factor for him or criticism or the benchmark will be, you know, can he get a team over the hump and make it to the finals? You know, the thing about Denver, he's great. Who's their second best player? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it Aaron Gordon? Is it Michael Porter Jr.? They don't really have that second all-star. You know, you look, you know, you look elsewhere in the Western Conference. I mean, we know what the Warriors have. You know, the Dallas Mavericks had it, Kyrie Irving. Look at what Phoenix has. You know, these teams have these, you know, guys that have been all-stars before. I think that's going to be a challenge. That's going to continue to be a challenge for Denver. Kind of like it was for the Milwaukee Bucks. They did have Middleton with Giannis, and then they finally, 
you know, put all their chips in and brought a guy like Drew Holiday back, and that was the difference with them winning that championship. Is Den? All right, let me go back to Durant. Is De- are the Suns the favorite in the West? Well, you know, you know this, Dan. You 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 look at Chris Paul, and Chris Paul, like last night, I think he had seventeen points and nineteen assists. But Chris Paul tends to wear down. He is getting up there in age, so can he stay healthy? Devin Booker just came back from an injury, and Kevin Durant right now is out. And I think Kevin Durant will be out until he should be back at some point after the All-Star break. But you do have three guys that have had kind of a recent history of injuries. If they're not healthy, think about it. If you're going to put your best defender on Kevin Durant, your best wing defender, that means that your second-best wing defender has to guard Devin Booker was as good as any player in the league. And you still have a team with DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. Now, they did lose two good players in Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, two low-maintenance players that are both durable, highly efficient. They both could shoot. They both could defend. I think that that could come back to hurt them at some point. But that's a, that's a lot of talent. I mean, that's a number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton, a number two overall pick in Kevin Durant. And then, you know, Chris Paul, obviously, what was he, the third overall pick? And Devin Booker was a first-round pick. All you know, all four of them have uh, played in an NBA Finals. Durant's been a two-time Finals MVP, so that, that's why I think just the experience alone, I would I would say that Phoenix is the favorite. When, when, when you look at the Lakers, what do you see, Frank? I don't see LeBron James. <laughs> I know that he hasn't. You know, since he broke right. Kareem's record, it's funny. He broke the record. He then scored one basket in the fourth quarter. So since breaking the record, he's had two points, two ceremonies, three missed games, and one trip to the Super Bowl. So I had a feeling, you know, doing an NBA show like I do with Bryce Scalabrini, we had kind of joked about it, that like when he gets to this point with the record, you wonder like mentally, is he going to be a little worn down? Now physically, I think he's also a little beat up. But when you're 38 years old, you know, the motivation was the record. Now I think the next motivation is probably playing with his son. But they're, they're just not a very good team. I do think that they made good trades. But guess what? They made good trades, and LeBron hasn't played since the new players arrived. And now they're six games under five hundred. So making up that ground is not easy. And it's also not just about making up six games. You have to leapfrog a number of teams to, to get into the play-in tournament. So it's, it's not going to be easy for them. To do it, and they only have about, well, I think it's about 24, 25, 26 games left. You know, um, Frank Vogel caught hell, and maybe this is personal because Frank was here. I, I knew him a little bit, his wife, so I really liked it. He caught hell all the way uh, from the time he got to LA until the time he was out of LA. Is Darvin Ham catching any heat here? Yeah, he is. It's it's ridiculous what goes on in L.A. First, it started out with when the when the franchise was heading the wrong direction. It was all Jim Buss's fault. The uh, you know Jim Jerry Buss's son. Right. Then Frank Vogel Frank Vogel became the target, and then for a couple of years, or last year, it was Russell Westbrook. He was to blame for every everything that was happening that um, in a negative way for the Lakers was somehow all of it was Russell Westbrook's fault. And now this year, it was a little Russell Westbrook, it was a little Rob Palenka, and a little bit Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham's catching a lot of heat. But when you have a team with LeBron who's, yes, he still puts up big numbers, but he's not the same guy that could just carry a team on his own. You have Anthony Davis, 
who does get hurt a lot. Yeah, Russell Westbrook isn't the same player he once was, but they were also starting a backcourt of Dennis Schroeder and Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is not a great NBA player anymore. You know, he, he doesn't give you much offensively, and he's slipped a little bit defensively. So Darvin Ham is kind of one of the guys that, uh, now that Westbrook is gone and Rob Polink actually made some good trades, Darvin Ham is kind of the guy catching a lot of the grief. But you're right about Frank Vogel. I mean, I thought Frank did a pretty decent job there. He won a championship, for crying out loud. But he was, he, it was his time to get blamed. Westbrook got his time, and now Darvin Ham's starting to get it. Is is Westbrook done? I mean, you know, Westbrook seemed to be the guy that he, he was like the odd man out in that whole deal, even from when he came to L.A., Frank. I know. it's it, And I'll say this about him. The guy was a former MVP in this league who's accomplished a lot, you know, had a couple of seasons where he's averaged a triple-double. He also was backing up. He was willing to accept his role as the backup to Dennis Schroeder and Patrick Beverly. You know, that is, that's not exactly Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars that he's backing up for crying out loud in their prime. Right, right. Those are two guys that he's that he's better than. So he was willing to accept that. I know he clashed a lot with the coach. I think, he, you know, remember the, right the day before he was traded, the the story was that he got into it with Darvin Ham. I don't think he and LeBron James got along really well. I think he felt that he was un, being unfairly blamed. And, of course, he got really bent out of shape when people would say Westbrook. And, you know, he actually went after a couple of fans. But Dave McMenamin on ESPN had reported, and I know Westbrook, uh, his wife, uh, lashed out at this, where they said he was like a vampire. He sucked the, the life out of the locker room. And I, whoever said that from the Lakers, whether it's a coach or a player, that's really, again, it's unfair to put it on him because I don't think it's, it's all on Westbrook. He plays hard all the time. He's just not as good as he once was. Not as, as, he's not as athletic as he once was. And, you know, his, his skill level in terms of shooting the ball has never been great. I think a lot of his game was based on athleticism. He's just not the same player. It's, 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 it's too bad because you, I like the competitor that he is, but uh, it's just not the same for him anymore. Yeah, you know, when, all right, when you look around the league, we, the, the Bucks have won 11 in a row. I mean, 11 in a row is substantial here, man. And they, I don't know – some, I always said this about us at Indiana, Frank. I always said, us Bobby Knight guys, we made everything hard. North Carolina, Dean Smith, they made everything look easy. The Bucks make it look easy to me. I know it's not. I know every game's a grind. I get it. But they just seem to coast through and win games. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is Giannis Antetokounmpo because he plays all the time. And think about this, Dan. So you, you know, a big thing with always the NBA nowadays is load management, guys missing games. That's happened to Giannis. He's had to skip a couple of games because of knee soreness. But here's a guy that you know the league has this skills competition on Saturday, which is just like a made-up event. Who even exactly knows what it is for All-Star Weekend? You know, so many guys don't want to be part of anything. Nobody wants to be in the slam dunk contest. Giannis and his two brothers are going to be in the skills competition. It just tells you so much yeah. about him that he has, he, he enjoys playing. He loves competing so much so that he's willing to be in, in, in this like skills competition event. And I think that's the kind of attitude he brings to the team. So when your best player is like that, I think it trickles down to the other guys on the team. Tatum, Jason Tatum is last night's game. Is sick, but if you look at Tatum, his games played, he loves to play all the time. So 
All right, so those are the two best records in the Eastern Conference. It's Boston and Milwaukee. Milwaukee's now a half game behind. And it just so happens that their best players seem to play all the time. You know, it's, sometimes it's really not that complicated. <laughs> because Giannis plays and because Jason Tatum plays, their teams have the best records right now in the Eastern Conference. And a lot, a lot of Milwaukee's success, it's all based on Giannis. That's, see, that's what I love. I mean, Frank, you and I remember Michael Jordan's in slam dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins. Larry Bird tells everybody you're playing for second in the three-point uh, shootout. You know, now we're picking up guys that we don't even know from the G League, two-way, three-way, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like these guys truly do love the game. But, you know, I, I get why they don't want to be involved, but I also don't get why they want to be involved either. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a, that's, yeah, it's like no, two old guys it, ranting. No, I, I get it. But you know, the, the, the three-point competition does have big names playing in it. But I agree with you on the slam dunk. And maybe it's something because of social media. These guys don't want to, you know, don't want to catch all this grief because the participants in the slam dunk, I think it's Trey Murphy the third, Mac McClug, who is just basically a, a two-way player. He's on the G League team. Of yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers. Kenny Martin Jr. is one. And of course, now I'm going to forget the fourth guy that's involved. It, that's not exactly Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, you know, Dr. J and Vince Carter that you have in there. And I do, to your point, you know, Michael Jordan, like Larry Bird, they enjoyed the competition of that stuff, much like Giannis is enjoying the competition. Is it? Does it matter if they win the slam dunk or the three point? Not necessarily, but they figure, you know what? It's a competition. I want to try to win it. Kobe Bryant was in the slam dunk competition. But if you look, you know, I think LeBron probably started it all because he never entered the slam dunk. It'd be great to see Zion Williamson get in it. Of course, Zion, we, we just want to see him get healthy first. And, you know, that's the sad part of it. I think you're right. The players do love the game, but I think sometimes the responsibility of helping to promote the game and to grow the game, I think sometimes that's a little lost on some of the players, not all. No, I agree. I agree. I, I just, I hope, because I think he's so dynamic. I, I, you know, Charles Barkley tells a great story about Moses Malone calling him fat uh, in Moses Malone's hotel suite, and it kind of changed Barkley. I hope somebody can call Zion Williamson fat, and it sinks in, and he gets playing, because he's fun, man. Frankie's fun. All right, last oh, thing, the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's yep. turned the city upside down, no? Uh, he's... He- Come on, he's he's not going to do anything spectacular like Ja Morant is going to do. But you know this going back to his Villanova days, and even when he was in high school in uh, you know the suburbs of Chicago. He's just a winning player. He makes everyone around him better. He's a low maintenance, winning type of player. The other night, I you know I did the game. He had forty against the New York Knicks. And think about the Dallas Mavericks, right? He would have signed a contract with them last year because they could have signed him during the season for fifty million. They decided not to. He ends up leaving. They don't get anything for him. Then they have to trade assets to get Kyrie Irving. Even if they didn't want Jalen Brunson, it would have made sense just to sign him and eventually trade him if that's what you wanted to do. So I thought Dallas made a big mistake. And for the New York Knicks, so Tom Thibodeau, the head coach, has been with Rick Brunson, Jalen's dad, for a long time, and he's known Jalen. That had a lot to do with Jalen Brunson coming to the New York Knicks. It's been, uh, he's, he's been a terrific player for them. He's been everything they, they could have asked. And again, it just goes back to what his pedigree is. He's just a winning kind of player. Yeah, I remember when Rick was getting hired at Temple and Jalen was going to Temple. I coached against Rick. We beat him in the 
Sweet 16 in D.C., and then all of a sudden Rick's dad, Jalen's dad, had a little problem. Uh, and next thing you know, that job was done, and here, he off, here he's off to Villanova to change a lot of people's lives, man. Hey, keep doing great stuff, Frank. Thanks for coming right. on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. You, you too. Take care. Uh, it's two most handsome men in media getting together right there. All right, I'm going to give you a little local minute here. Tonight, Indiana, the Hoosiers, winners of eight and of nine, take on Northwestern. Let me explain this game to you. Let me explain why this money line on Indiana is like the lock of the century. What happens in a college basketball season with certain teams is that you just get confident. You get confident. You get confident in your bubble. You get confident that you can go win here, there. Indiana goes to Illinois, wins. All right, they go to Maryland and lose. They come back. They beat Purdue. They go on the road. They beat Michigan. I mean, there is a confidence to Indiana. That's one side of it. But here's the other side. Let me ask all of you a question. Those of you that follow college basketball, let me see who's on the YouTube chat here now. There's a bunch of people on the YouTube chat. There's a bunch of people that are Indiana fans. Van Pasterman, you among them. So I'll do this and say this to Van Pasterman. Van Pasterman, when's the last time Northwestern won two massive games in a row, in a season? It's a simple question. It's not a hard question, but it's a difficult answer because I would argue in the time that I have been in and around the Big Ten, which goes back to the, uh, let's say, the spring of 1982, before 99% of you were born, I can't tell you the last time Northwestern won two big games. I cannot tell you, Alan Cashman or Dave Renard, the last time Northwestern won back-to-back games. Great programs, Kansas of the world, you know, the Dukes of the world, the Carolinas, they're used to winning back-to-back games. But you tell me, when's the last time Notre Dame won back, or excuse me, Northwestern won back-to-back games? They are the program that wins a big game. Everybody celebrates. Crowd rushes the floor. It's nuts. Mike Cole, it's crazy. Frank Rago, Rago, it's insane. Senator BS, Tall Ken Chit, T. Clark, but they can't come back. People are still telling them, you beat the number one team in the country, Northwestern. You beat Purdue, the number one team. What a great day. We rushed the court. We chanted DUI at Mason Gillis. Yay, Rob, go fight, win. But now you got to come back. I go to this, Indiana, let me be the coach. First game at Northwestern, we hadn't practiced. Not once, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday. We win at the end, I'm walking off the court, everybody's going crazy, all my peeps, man, people are going nuts, and I was so thrilled. But I'm like, oh man, I got another game Tuesday, because that's what you do in Indiana. Got another game Tuesday, yeah, we're happy we got the win. Yeah, I'm ecstatic, I got my first win, Tyrone Biggins. Yeah, Sean Black, El Presidente, but you got another game. If, I will tell you this right now, Northwestern is a legitimate contender to get to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament if they beat Indiana tonight. I'll tell you why. 
They showed they could bounce back. They showed that. If they beat Indiana, I'm not talking about play Indiana close. Look, for years, going back to 1982, Northwestern played Indiana close. They beat us, I think, in 82, my freshman year. Honest to God. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, you got to back it up. So take Indiana tonight on the money line. Indiana, I don't care what the number is. But when you play at Indiana, you're expected to back up wins. Duke, you're expected. Kentucky, you're expected. Michigan State, you're expected. Connecticut, you're expected. When you play at Northwestern, everybody gets all crazy and can't believe we actually won a game against the number one team in the country. Oh, my God. So there, ladies and gentlemen, is why both Hammer and I say take the Hoosiers on the money line, both from the Indiana side and the Northwestern side. And last thing about this, Northwestern, Boo Booey and Chase Audiz may be the best guards in the league. They might just be. They might be the best tandem guards in the league, in the Big Ten. Now, everybody's going to say, oh, you know, you're stupid. I, I know, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, I'm all of it. I Guilty as charged. But when I watch those two dudes play, man, they play. They play well. They play hard. I do think Indiana's guards play defense. I think Galloway is terrific. Uh, But I would argue, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not messing around with the two. I'll pay a buck 40 to get a buck back. I take Indiana on the money line, and I'm taking them all freaking day. That's what I'm doing, Fundamental Bear. That's what I'm doing, Rick Wilmer, Ryan Mueller. By the way, if you want a great follow for horse racing picks, go to Ryan Mueller. Look him up on the internet. Look him up on on Twitter. He gives you great picks. And if you want great picks all day, Cashman Wins, at the Cashman Wins, shall set you free. And a lot of you already know that. It is Wednesday. That means what the hell Wednesday. That means let's go Wednesday. What the hell Wednesday. Coming up. Let's go. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, one of the great things that Ryan and Dylan do is they come up with what the hells. And I got to tell you, this first what the hell, I I purposely don't look at them until right before because I want to be shocked by them. But I looked at this one, and let's just – when a snake comes out of the roof – It's a problem, but it becomes a bigger problem when this happens. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, let's get a replay here. Oh, I don't know about you. I I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel. A lot of you would say, oh, man, that's cool. I'm saying get me as far away. In fact, right now I'm sitting at a desk and I'm thinking what's under my desk. I hit a cord and it made me jump. I hate snakes. I don't like spiders and snakes. And that ain't what it takes to love you. Uh, let's see. Oh! All right, let's play the audio on this next one. Uh, apparently, a couple got married 
at the Mavs game. Don't get married at the Mavs game. Don't do yourself a favor. As a sign of my love. As a sign of my love. Oh, there's no audio. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys got to let me know. I'm sorry. I did not know that. But it is being broadcast over the anthem. Apparently, there's a copyright deal here. So you go to the Mavericks game and get married. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. I don't like cheesy scoreboard guy. I, I don't. I don't like that at all. I don't like cheesy scoreboard. I like the kiss. Yeah. I like that action. Hell yeah. Now, see, if Rihanna had been wearing that wedding dress, we would have had something instead of looking like a parachute wrapped in a blood clot. Like, what are we doing? Look, I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but I ain't happy about it either. All right, good for you, but do yourself a favor. Unless your wife or girlfriend, fiance, whatever, is totally, completely, 1,000% into into the scoreboard thing, the engagement scoreboard thing, do yourself a favor and just don't do it. Uncle Dan is always here to help. Uncle Dan will never let you go. All right. Now, there are certain things that we all should involve ourselves in, and none of them... is this next video. Never should you be in a boat going through crocodiles. Look at this thing. Look at this. Look at these crocs. What if one decides to jump in the boat? I don't know if crocodiles can jump. I have no idea. No idea. Uh, But I do know this. This scares the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Is there audio for this one or am I just talking? It's unbelievable. I I don't know why people decide to do that. I I, I don't. I, I don't know why people decide, hey, look, let's go down a river that has a bunch of crocodiles just in it. Let's just do it. Now, When I would be done with it, I think it'd be a great time, right? I'd be like, oh, man, that was awesome. Uh, That was awesome. That was incredible. All right. Hey, is there audio for this next one? Is there any audio for this? Because uh, I want to let people hear this video of a Nike warehouse in Memphis getting robbed in broad daylight. How about this? Dudes just come in and just start stealing stuff in broad daylight. They just come in and take stuff. They're just like, hey, we're just going to take all this. Now, I don't know why a bunch of dudes are letting them. Now, here we go. 
I mean, about time. I mean, at some point, you got to defend. Look, if you're one of the dudes that's running away, unless they got a gun, and I can't tell whether they have a gun or not. But my God, these dudes just come in here. It ain't happening. Now, and people say, well, it's just shoes. You don't want to die over shoes. Nobody's saying you're supposed to die over shoes. But what I'm saying is you got to have a little self-respect in this world. And part of the self-respect of this world is saying, no, you ain't just coming in here and taking my stuff. That's just not the way that this world is going to work. It's not happening. I'm just telling you. So there you go. Man, um, I love Best Buy because they'll fight you. I love it. Nike Warehouse. Memphis is a hellhole. Memphis, I know we had, you know, the situation with the police officers, but everything Memphis is just a hellhole. All right, I sent this one to the fellas. Now, again, here comes a video, and we need to play this. You're not going to believe this video. Would you eat this? Would you eat this? It's on your plate. Would you eat that? Is that something that you would eat? Would you eat a living being on your plate? That is a bazillion dollar question. That is a question that I give you a very easy answer to ANFW. Absolutely no way. No. On the YouTube chat, Wilmer, no. Raynard, no. BS says absolutely no way. Clint Eastwood, if I was drunk enough. Got Gritty Jen, F no. Hell no, says Stoked Hemi 14. Schnitzinger, no. No way I would eat that. Check, please. That is from Frank Haviland. I've never been hungry enough to eat that right there. No. I do not care. I do not care where it is from. I do not care if it's a delicacy. I do not care if in the eyes of the bourgeoisie, it makes me cool. There is no way. And now Dylan and Ryan have put on the YouTube chat a poll. You gonna eat a fish that bites back? No. No. Look at this thing. Look right here. Watch this. No, it's over. Now, do you stick the thing in its mouth and then eat it like a kebab? I don't know, but I got to tell you. Right. Calvin Fitch says it looks like a damn python. Heck no. Stop that video. I may puke, T. Clark says. Van, <laughs> Van Pasterman says, hey, look. It's the freshest fish you can get. It's still alive. Oh, man. It's fish sticks. Uh, John Cochran says something interesting that I think we can all get down with. A rule to live by. Anything I'm eating is going to be dead. Ryan and Dylan and Dan, and Chuck, and Corey, and Haley, and Aaron, and Gary, I think, and I'm sure I'm missing, I think we would all subscribe to that. 
It's got to be dead to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Coco says, hope these videos aren't going to be part of your program going forward. Yuck. No, this is a good one. Hey, look. All right. A Yale professor. A Yale professor is saying, suggesting that a Japanese older people is a mass suicide. That's the people that are brightest are supposedly learning from. So what you're supposed to do in Japan is you're supposed to have a mass suicide. All right? That's what a guy says. That's what a Yale professor says should happen to ease the burdens of an overpopulated society that has too many elderly, a mass suicide. I'm telling you, the level of idiot that teaches our young people will never, ever, ever surprise me. It will never shock me. It will never be something where you say, wow, I did not see that coming. You know my stance. You know my history with professors. And it ain't a good one. It ain't a good one at all. And it was really the first time that I realized that these people are nothing more than complete idiots. These people are nothing more than trying to push values. I never looked at it that way. You know, I never did. I always looked at professors that were trying to teach. I always looked at them as someone trying to teach. I always looked at them uh, like, oh, man, these people are trying to help. Apparently, he was referring to elderly people and executive management still making decisions in Japanese company. And guess what? This idiot sold books. So he is going to sell more books because, frankly, all publicity is good publicity to the world's biggest D-bags. How about that? So he's got a book coming out. He decides, yes, yes, I want to make a splash. So part of my book is going to be, hey, look, um, let's kill all the older people in Japan. Okay. All right. I'm telling you, man, these people are just bad people. Yushika Narida, he put the idea of euthanizing elderly citizens to combat issues regarding the country's age-based society issues. I feel like the only solution is pretty clear. In the end, isn't it mass suicide and mass seppuku of the elderly? He says, he says that it was taken out of context and was addressing a growing effort to push the most senior people out of leadership positions in business and politics to make room for younger generations. All right. There you go. Personally, as Ricky Gervais said, I'd like a second opinion. I'd like a little something-something on that. 
Uh, Dan, Jim Eagle says, there's a reason honor your father and mother is one of the top commandments. Discarding people based on convenience is pure evil. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. A lot of you are wondering, aren't animals usually dead before they get to the chef? Yes, but is this different? I once put my feet getting, as you know, I love a good pedicure. And one of the methods of getting a pedicure is to put your feet in water with these little fish and they bite off the scaly skin on your feet. I did it once. It was gross. I did it in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, It was gross. It was really, really, really gross. But that is a way of getting a pedicure. It is. I'm sorry. All right. Let's recap the show, shall we, Aaron? Or excuse me, shall we, Ryan and Dylan? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's take this show full circle. Uh, Yesterday, the Colts and the Cardinals announced that they had a new coach. Shane Stankin is the Colts coach. Jonathan Gannon is the Cardinals coach. Our guy Shane here in Indianapolis met the media yesterday, gave an impassioned plea. He did. He gave an impassioned plea thanking uh, Jalen Hurts and all of the others. And God bless the local yokels, the Greg Doyles of our media. After Shane gave his speech, this is what this idiot Greg Doyle said. And by the way, Jen... She said it perfectly. Who would want to screw Greg Doyle? Well, I could tell you two names, one of which you know pretty popularly, but I'm not that guy. Uh, Anyway, here we go. Uh, This is the level of indie media discussing with Shane Steinken his new head coaching position. So, Shane, Shane, um, heard a lot about you, heard you're a badass, a tough guy. Um, Up here you're crying like a baby, which I love. Are you... Which one? Are you a hard ass? Are you an emotional basket case? I happen to like all of that, but what are you? Well, there you go. Are you a hard ass? Uh, you know, that's our level here in Indy. That's our. That, that's what we got here in Indy. We got a writer who is a complete coward. I mean, I don't give a damn how who he fights. He's physically strong, whatever. I don't care. But he is a complete coward as a human being asking that kind of question because he wants to put himself into the equation. It's what we do in Indy. So you bet you go your whole life, right? You go your whole life. You want to be an NFL coach. You want to get into the top 32 coaching jobs in America in football. You get there and this is the level. That's the level of question that comes at you by a coward, a true American coward in Greg Doyle. All right. Later on in the press conference, the great Jim Irsay, he, uh, the owner of the Colts, had this to say. We're not hiding. You know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look going forward where, where Shane and Chris really, you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, a trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but, uh, 
uh, it'll be it'll be exciting, and I think that shows um, that we have talent here. Those games, so we're looking forward um, to Shane really coming in and utilizing that talent. Yeah, there you go. Where does the talent come in? You know, where where does the talent show? Yeah, I don't know. But Jimmy Ursay talking about Bryce Young said all the little Todd McShays and the rest of the mock draft world into a tizzy, into a tizzy. Now look, if I'm the Colts, hey, I want to get Bryce Young. You're damn right I do. You know, but I gotta do my due diligence. And if I'm Jimmy Ursay, I am not trusting Chris Ballard, Ed Dobbs, or Morocco Brown to make any decisions. Not. Hell, I may call Ryan Grigson and see what he has to say in terms of making decisions. All right, who's our woke dope, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, replace female with egg producing and avoid using the term fitness. Woke scientists say in push to get rid of harmful phrases. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, let's do that. No, really, let's do that. Because name me, I want you to go deep into your reservoir of I'm offended. Does the word female offend you? Of course not. Let's go into even deeper, if you don't mind. Uh, Does the word fitness offend you? of, Of course not. Of course it doesn't offend you. It doesn't offend you even a little bit. How could it offend you? My fitness is important to me. My female friend is important to me. Yeah, look, okay. Yeah. Scientists that are woke can kiss my backside. But isn't it amazing? We show you this every day. Every day we bring this to you. And every day we must defend, not necessarily defend, debunk, the stupidity coming out our supposed best and brightest. We've got a scientist that says, hey, fitness, no, can't say it, harmful to who? Female, can't say it, harmful to who? You know, my egg producer upstairs, my egg producing wife, well, maybe my wife doesn't produce no more. Do you think these people are real? Do you seriously think that as you go through the world that we live in, do you think these folks are real? Do you think that there is anything here that is real as we show these to you every afternoon? I cannot imagine there is any time, any place where these are real. I can't imagine. No, I seriously can't. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we did have a Twitter poll, did we not, up early? But I, I don't know if it was a Twitter poll so much as, hey, look, if I'm going to eat something, it needs to be dead. You know, I saw that yesterday. True story. I, whenever I saw that, I think it was yesterday morning or sometime I sent that that fish, that egg, or that fish that was alive, I sent it to the fellas yesterday. True story. 
Lee and I went out to dinner for Valentine's Day. We went out, had a nice dinner. It was nice. We went to one of our favorite places. I actually made a reservation. Now listen to this. True story. A few years ago, we were going to go see Wicked in New York. Lee, myself, my daughters, stepdaughter, we had like five people. I got the tickets. Guess what I did? I made the tickets for the next day, not the day we were in New York. Yesterday, I'm in the store. Two days ago, I'm in the store, and I'm making a dinner reservation for me and Lee at Harry and Izzy's. Great spot in Indianapolis. We go, guess what? I made the reservation for February 15th, not February 14th. But we got in. Now, we normally eat calamari. I love calamari, but I had seen this video and sent it to Ryan and Dylan like earlier in the day or the day before, I can't really remember. And I didn't want calamari. I didn't want calamari. I didn't want nothing to do with calamari. I didn't want to see calamari. I Calamari is the closest thing to eating live food, at least the way I look at it. I'll never order a fish. You know you can order a fish where the head's still on it? I'll never order that. Never. But calamari is the closest thing to that that I've seen. And Lee's like, you want to get calamari? I go, nah, not really. Let's get something else. Let's get different appetizers. Let's get soup. I don't know, but I wasn't getting that. You're going to eat a fish that bites back? I want to know, and I'm looking at the YouTube chat now. I want to know on the YouTube chat. I want to know. Which 11% of you on the YouTube chat, out of the you know thousands of people that watch, I want to know who in the hell voted yes. Who did that? I'm looking. I don't know. Ah. But anyway, you 11%, you got it good. Uh, coming up this week, Aaron Rodgers goes on a four-day retreat where maybe he's going to eat that. A four-day darkness deal. On Friday, we're going to have a guy that puts on those deals, that sets up four-day darkness deals. Also, on Friday, Ryan Burr joins us. Ryan Burr is one of the best golf analysts in America. He's doing the Genesis Golf Out, and he's walking with Tiger Woods. So we're going to talk to Ryan Burr about walking with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, don't waste your money. Tiger Woods got a right leg that is this big around. All the doctors wanted it amputated. Don't put a dime on Tiger Woods. I know Tiger Woods came out and said that he's here to win, blah, 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 blah. But he cannot walk four days. He cannot get it done. So don't waste your money. Do, ladies and gentlemen, waste your money. Or do, ladies and gentlemen, win your money tonight, taking Indiana Minus 140 on the money line. Better pick than that, however, is take Indiana, but let them get down 9-2. to two. Let them get down 6 or 7 points. Let them get down 5 points early in the game. Let them get down 5 points and then make your bet because then you'll get it on the money line. The other action that I have for you tonight, and we had a monster night last night. Uh, I'm not great at giving you my picks. I watch games, and then I feel it out. But the bet that I have going tonight, and if you would like to make it, it's not awful. I got Duquesne over St. Joe's, and I've got Wofford 
over Mercer. It is a both money line wager. I bet $100 to win $204. So there you go. Last night, last night we took Georgia and Wisconsin and our toes were big tapping. We waited to the middle of the Duke game. We saw the number was 126 and a half. We took the over and Pittsburgh, our toes were tapping. We took the over separately and our toes were tapping. We had Pittsburgh and Wisconsin and our toes were tapping. We also took Penn State plus three and a half for a winner. We had a monster night last night. Uh, If you want to go to my Twitter site, I will put them up. But my problem is I usually just make them as I see them. Thanks to Frank Isola uh, for coming on. Thanks to our friend Jason Allen Hammer. Oh, man. Look at that. Aaron, thank you. Gary, thank you. Haley, thank you. Chuck, thank you. Corey, thank you. Ryan and Dylan, I'm going to thank you, but that was gross. Those guys falling out of the ceiling actually made me jump just a little bit. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow.